feeling mighty fine today. <laughs> you know? But the thing about it is, is that all of us are in our everyday lives, and we utilize, I won't say excuses. Excuses is a harsh word. I'll say reasoning like this. I've got things to do, people to see already, and I'm, here's the B word, busy. Anybody feel busy in here? Anybody? Anybody feel like you actually made a sacrifice to come and worship God with the people of God this morning? No, just be real, right? Busy. We're bit. Yes, we're busy. Guess who's busier? No trick questions, God. Okay? And he says, I've made the effort to move from the zone of the known to go out into the unknown, to actually begin this whole idea of just walking across the room in evangelism. You've got to walk out of a place of what's familiar to you. You've got to walk outside of a place that's comfortable to you. You've got to be willing to engage people who are different than you, who think differently, act differently, look different. That is exactly what Jesus did in bringing the good news to creation. And for us, what that practically means is that when we're in social settings, not just sticking, can, can I... Can I get interactive today? Is that okay? Come on now, you help me out. Somebody just raise your hand if you're willing to dance with Raleigh today. Not a real dance, but okay. But, but just walk with me. Anybody? Thank you. Come, Nate the Gray. Come on. Come on, buddy. Okay. Who else? I need three people. My Dave. Yeah. Strong man. Okay. Dave. And who else? One more. One more. Yes. Come on, Big Ben. Come on, Big Ben. Oh, this is going to be easy. This is going to be easy. <laughs> uh-huh. I love our church because we're a big old cocktail. But do you notice who the odd man out is right now? <laughs> if you were to look across the scene, you would notice a person who is not like the others. Anybody notice that difference? Okay, in most social settings, right, imagine this. You're at a business meeting, you're just hanging out with friends. Not you, because you're part of Second City, this is all great. But most people, don't they just congregate in atmospheres like this? Would you say yes? Okay, this is what's called the zone of the comfortable, the zone of the known, okay? No, I mean, I'm being serious, right? Let's make this practical, this is the zone of the known. And then all of a sudden you have this flamboyant Jamaican with a fish tie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> On the other side over here, talking about, I'm just trying to see Black Panther. <laughs> That's right. Now, what would God do in this situation? Because just like, did you, uh, you grew up in church, right, Nate? Dave? Yep. Ben? Yep. Guess who did not? This is perfect. <laughs> Guess who did not? This boy right here. Okay? And all of a sudden, we're at like a, you know, just a hangout time, maybe a business meeting or something. And then all of a sudden, they're in the zone of the known. And then Rollins sipping his like, you know, little cocktail drink, waiting for the opportunity to basically just leave subtly and discreetly as if I was never there. Okay? 
you see these people in situations like this all the time. But all of a sudden, a Christ follower, who wants to be the Christ follower? Dave, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Okay, Dave, the one Christ follower. Okay, no, I'm okay. Okay. okay, Dave all of a sudden decides to go outside of the comfortable or the known and goes, decides to go into the zone of the unknown, not knowing what will happen there. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit prompts him and whispers. That's right. <laughs> Right? That's how people act, right? It's like, whoa, whoa, what you need? Especially in Chicago, right? Why you, why you, thank you, bro. Why are you approaching me? And all of a sudden, what Dave's done is he started to engage me in a way that Jesus himself would. That Jesus himself would. It doesn't seem big. It doesn't seem magnificent. It doesn't seem, because people have this in their idea that if we're ever going to do evangelism, it's got to be like me heading to the airport. And I'm preaching to everything that moves, right? I'm preaching to my Uber driver. He's getting saved. I'm preaching to the person checking me in. They're getting saved. I'm preaching to the person who's trapped next to me on the plane. You know what I mean? And they're getting saved, right? And then all of a sudden, before I get off the plane, a church has started. And then there we go, right? And that's people's idea of what it means. But instead, this is a very natural thing that I was by myself, did not know. Dave got a nudging from God. Hey, look at this person who's outside of your sphere. Look at this person who's not like you, listening to God and saying, I might actually have something to offer them, serve them, what say to them. And he moves. He says, guys, give me a minute. They're like, cool. Taking their sips, right? And Dave comes over and starts talking to me. All of a sudden, this is what Jesus did with us, right? Moving from the zone of the comfortable to the unknown. And each of us have an opportunity to do that every single day. Can we give it up for these brave men, please? And you can obviously see you need to keep preaching to Nate and Ben. Because they... No, I'm kidding. Thank you, guys. Okay? But Christ followers have to move from their comfort zone to the zone of the unknown. And Christ followers, point number two, don't just have to do that, but who, those who want to give the greatest single gift, they listen for the Spirit's promptings. They listen for the Spirit's promptings. What that means is once you move out of the zone of the unknown into the zone of what's unknown, then you feel like a fish out of water. Has anybody ever tried something like this before? And then all of a sudden you felt like a fish out of water. You're like, whoa, I don't know what I've done. <laughs> Why am I talking to them, right? And you're like, this is just awkward. Anybody ever felt that way before? Awkward. <laughs> oh, beautiful awkwardness. It's part of Christianity. If we could just embrace it, <laughs> you know, if we can just embrace it, then we'll live much happier and freer lives. But all of a sudden, you're listening to the Spirit's promptings. In Ecclesiastes, he actually says this. There are times to speak, and there are also, how about this, times to be silent. That one ministers to me often. <laughs> so I'd be quiet, and I'm like, okay. Listen, there are times to speak, and there's to, there are times to be silent. Dave, who listened to the Spirit's promptings, going from the zone of the known or what's comfortable to the unknown, all of a sudden is now in this wa these waters that he's not familiar with, knowing that he has the greatest gift that he can give anybody, and he's figuring out, God, what do you want me to do here? 
And the good news is, is that the Holy Spirit knows. He's got a plan. You might not, but he does. Isn't that good news? He's got a plan. And when you just obey his promptings to go out and step out to the zone of the unknown, he will direct and guide you in that place. Sometimes it's just grabbing coffee with people for weeks at a time. Yes, the same person. Sometimes it's actually offering hospitality, inviting somebody into your home. That's right. You can't just run inside. Inviting somebody, taking somebody with you and telling them, don't talk to anybody else, just talk to me, okay? And going in together. It's just engaging people right where they are. Why? Because Matthew 5 says this. Matthew 5, verse 13. Whenever Jesus is talking about who we are as a people of God. Last week, Pastor Morgan talked about our identity in Christ, right? But our identity is ultimately about who Jesus says you are. Who Jesus says you are and not who the world says you are. Not who you've thought of yourself as or not who anybody else has told you that you are. But Jesus has a high and elevated identity for you that's separate from what the world says about you. And whenever he talks about you, he says this. As the church, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness... How can it be made salty again? Everybody say, amen to holiness. Okay. (laughs) That's right, holiness. He says, without holiness, no one will see God. Without holiness being set apart to him, living in obedience to him, nobody's going to see God. So we as people, as the people of God, need to live in holiness, saltiness, right? We need to be separate from the world, in the world, but not of it. We need to be the people who are influencing and not being influenced. Amen? Come on. Come on. Strength of the people of God. Yes, Jesus says, I'm going to give you strength to influence, not be influenced. That's what it means. Be salty. He says, it is no longer, if you lose your saltiness, good for anything, except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Have you seen that before? Have you seen somebody who is nominally Christian trying to blend in with the world? And it's like they're a joke. I don't mean to be harsh, but isn't that true sometimes? It's like they're trying to say the same jokes, like talk about the same things, use the same foul language, and it's sort of like it's just off. And the thing is, it's like if you lose your saltiness, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. But he says this, that's not who you are. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. That's what he says about us. That's what he says about being people who are going to be followers of his, just walking across the room, that you're salty, and that means what? You're tasty. (laughs) That's right. Go ahead and do that. You're tasty. You are tasty. But the thing about salt is this. It's only valuable based on its proximity to the things it's flavoring. It's a preservative when it's touching the meat. It flavors the food when it's on it. It is not any good when it's in the bottle. Looking pretty. Right? Ooh, it glistens. Appreciate that. But he said, you're the salt. And for the salt to do its job, it's got to come into contact with the meat 
the people, the lives that need to be flavored. And he's saying, this is my ambition for you. Just walk across the room. Put down the phone. Take out the earphones. It's fine if you do while you're by yourself. How's your private ministry with the Lord? Dance before the Lord. Come on now with all your might is what King David did. Till his clothes almost fell off. See, listen, that's what the Bible talks about. Do that in private. But the point is, when you're in public, take the earphones out. Be salt. Be the light. What you actually have to do as a Christian, when you're full of God, if you want to hide the light, you have to intentionally muffle it. And that's what often people do, right? Because you're in these social settings where things are off. Things are being spoken about. Women are being treated in improper, improper ways. All of a sudden, things are being done to cheat, bargain, and steal, right? And then you feel it's off. And if you want to be something other, just be one of the boys or just fit in, then you have to intentionally muffle that light. But if you're a Christ follower, you can actually say No! I could actually steer this, the direction of this like aimless conversation. You know what I'm talking about? How about people know that people just talk about nothing all the time? Isn't that what happened with Paul in Athens? It said he was going into the Areopagus. The people were just talking about the latest ideas. Talking about that pretty cat, the, the latest cat video. Okay, nothing wrong with cat videos, but who cares? Right? And he's like, listen, I'm going to steer the conversation and be salty. I'm going to steer to something that honors and glorifies God. I'm going to do it with the little that I have. I don't have to be anybody else. I don't have to be a loud, flamboyant personality. Because I'm in conversation any day, every day anyway. I'm going to eat anyway. And I could be salt today. Okay? Uh, the identity he gives us is that you're the salt of the earth. But then he also says this, if not only if you're a Christ follower, do you want to give the single greatest gift to moving from the zone of the comfortable to the unknown? Not only do you want to give others the greatest gift by listening to the Spirit's promptings, knowing when to speak and when not to speak, giving yourself some time as Christ followers. Here's the point. You just got to walk. You got to walk. What that means What that means is this, that you just got to, in your soul, take a leap. In your soul, take a leap. See, the beauty of Christianity is he talks about not just being hearers of the word, but doers, right? Blessed are those who, I mean, nobody's going to walk out of here today saying like, nah, I don't really think that we have a part to play in people coming to Jesus, you know what? Everybody else is salt, but I'm pepper. <laughs> Nobody's going to say that. But really, what, what, what we're talking about as we get this process started, and we're just trying to be real practical, is getting out of the paralysis that we feel, the intimidation that we feel. It's not a checkmark mandate. It's, it's literally just coming into the heart of God. 
coming into the heart of God when you begin to see, like in Corinthians, anybody remember reading where Paul said, listen, from now on, we look at no one with a worldly point of view. We look at no one with a worldly point of view. What's a worldly point of view? I relate to people based on what they look like, what they talk like, what they act like. I relate to people in these paradigms that I've, in these boxes that I've placed them in, right? And everybody has it. Even the most pure-hearted people, right? You ever been walking down the street before? And then somebody who did not look like you, act like you, or talk like you, walk by and then you, you tensed up a little bit? Because what? You are looking at them immediately from a worldly point of view, right? A worldly point of view. He said, though we once looked at, uh, uh, regarded Christ this way, we do so no longer. We do so no longer. What it means is that we actually have an opportunity to see people as Christ sees them and then develop his heart. How do I develop a heart for people like this? I begin to pray for them. Before I ever take a walk, I pray. I pray. If you have never felt compassion for people before, you're just like, well, they deserve to go to hell. You know, listen, I'm going to tell you something. If you pray for people, God will infuse you with a heart like his. When you get into the face of God, he will infuse you with the heart of God, not just for you and your situation, but for the people around you. For Christ so loved the world that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He's not just talking about us in here. He's talking about the me's, right? He's talking about the people who uh, didn't know him. And to actually engage them means to participate in the work of Christ and be the salt that you are. Romans 5.8, it starts with an attitude of people not deserving it. When you see somebody who looks like they would never listen, they're, in the, they're a perfect candidate to be loved. You know, has anybody ever categorized somebody like that before? They are one of those people who will never listen. Might be a family member or a friend or a coworker. Anybody ever had that go- thought go through your mind before? Yeah, maybe like you know some uh, some people who've been exposed before might listen, but that person will never listen. That was the Apostle Paul, <laughs> right? That was me. <laughs> I was a mocker. That was people like the men that we talked about at the beginning, the gentlemen who was engaged. And the good news is that God says he, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, not while we had it all together, not while everything, we were agreeing with all the right things about God or pursuing him just as everybody else was, but while we were sinners, that means a God hater, a mocker, somebody who's rebellious, breaking his law, whether intentionally or unintentionally. He says, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. And so the very people you need to be dumped on, what I mean is, as a metaphor of the salt, okay? <laughs> now that you fall on people and smother them with your love, okay? But the very people you need to be engaging are the people that were in that place of being sinners now. 
Philippians 2 actually shows us even a greater measure of the heart of God, even talking through the homily that they gave us about Christ. He said, have the same attitude of mind Christ Jesus had, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a human being, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And for us, what this literally means is like inconveniencing ourselves to make that walk. Do you know that that's an act of humility? when you inconvenience yourself to move outside of your comfort zone, it is an act of humility. When you just stay talking to the same people who look like you, act like you, and think like you all the time, that takes no spiritual strength. Matter of fact, it not only doesn't take spiritual strength, but it's actually almost the idea, this subconscious idea that goes through our mind that if people really want it or need it, they're going to come to me. But an act of humility is, is what Jesus did in the Trinity, perfect relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He humbled himself and took that walk. He humbled himself and took that walk across the metaphorical room, which would be the cosmos, and he actually found his way to us to engage that which did not look like him, act like him, or talk like him created in his image but very marred and some of us are in here in lives that are literally they're trying to hold it together by a thread some of us you know have been brought out of lives that were in disarray or in shambles because we were living distant from God and the reason that we're able to stand worshiping today is because he made an approach in humility to us and my favorite story I know I talk about it all the time but it's in the Bible so I'll just keep talking about it <laughs> is the woman at the well in John chapter 4, which is the greatest picture of Jesus just getting out there and walking. Do you remember John chapter 4? It's in there. And Jesus with the Samaritan woman, he was, I love it because he describes us here in Chicago. It said that his disciples, he and his disciples, who he knew, who he loved, who he enjoyed fellowship with before he sent them out, he said that they had been on a long journey and it said, tired as he was from the journey. And you could substitute for yourself, you know, tired as I am from a long 12-hour day, work day. Tired as I am from raising all these kids tired as I am, you know what I mean, from studying for this board exam, you know, tired as I, right? We could substitute all sorts of things. It says, tired as he was from his journey, he sat down by a well. Now, the rest of the disciples who were with him, who were comfortable with him, they're like, listen, we're hungry. We're going to get some food. <laughs> you need anything, Jesus? We'll be back. <laughs> and they went on their way. And next to Jesus was this woman. Didn't look like him, didn't act like him, didn't talk like him. Matter of fact, in that culture, she would have been called a half-breed, who the Jews weren't supposed to associate with, the Samaritans. And it said that Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, just started very naturally and asked that woman for a drink, feeling the Holy Spirit's prompting. 
the Holy Spirit's leading, his heavenly father showing him what he was doing. And all he did, he didn't, he didn't like rip open his like chest, say, I am the glorious one. Worship now. <laughs> he started very simply and said, can I have a drink? How many people know that's easy to ask in Chicago? <laughs> Happy hour, baby. You want to go grab a drink? <laughs> right? No, right? Can I have a drink? And she said, listen, I'm a Jew and you're, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. You asked me for a drink? He said, listen, I'm tired. I'm tired, but you know what? I'm, I'm making my move. I'm making my move. And you know what? We need to not believe the lie of the enemy that it has to be in your strength that these results are going to happen. It's not going to be because of your charisma. It's not going to be because of how articulate you are. It's not going to be because of how well-versed you are. It's just going to be because you make a move like Jesus. Just make a move like Jesus. And he said, woman, if you knew who was asking you for a drink... You would have asked me and I would have given you living water. Let's look at this last scripture. He said, Jesus said, I'm telling you, I'm just starting real natural with you, but everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again. Talking about the well water. They'll get thirsty again and again. This is out of the message Bible. You might not recognize this translation, but this is out of the message. He says, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. But anyone who drinks the water I give him will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. And the woman said, sir, give me this water so that I won't ever get thirsty. Won't ever have to come back to this well again. The things that have been identifying me, the things that we were talking about last week, right? All the things that people put their hope in, all the things that people put their identity in, all the things that people like really look to satisfy their souls. He says, listen, I have water that you can drink that you won't have to be thirsty for those things again. I'm going to give you the living water. I'm going to actually save your soul. And how did it begin? It just came by Jesus taking a walk across that well. He didn't walk on the water there, but he like actually went around the well, you know what I mean, and started talking to the woman. And in the same way, it's the Spirit's promptings on a daily basis that will allow us to engage people in the same way today. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how to do that practically. It's like when you get there, what do you actually say? Okay, once uh, I'm now in the zone of the unknown, what do I do now, right? It's like I'm falling. I've jumped out of the plane. I'm like, eee! you know, and now, like, so, is this parachute going to open? <laughs> you know what I mean? And we're going to talk about what it actually means to be in the zone of the unknown. This isn't a singular message. It's just setting it up why it's important, okay? But what you want to do over the course of this next week is just think back to your own situation. You are here, yes, because of Jesus, but you are also here today because of somebody else. How many people would understand and admit that? You are here because a mother, a father, a spouse, a coworker, somebody, a friend in your life. How about this? Even somebody on TV, that's fine too, if you needed to place your hand there. Listen, somebody took a walk and engaged you at some point in your life. How many people can remember that person? No, I'm, I'm actually asking for interaction now. This is for my benefit. How many people can actually remember that interaction? 
somebody lovingly taking a, a walk and saying, I'm going to engage you with this good news. I'm going to be salt to you. And to help you understand like how important it is for you to be another person like that to someone else, it might be a good exercise over the course of this week just to grab a postcard and write a thank you letter to them. Whether it be a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, a friend, a co-worker, and just say, this is how you've impacted my life. And by doing so, all of a sudden you can see the significance of what it's going to be like when you actually take a walk across the room to engage someone else. We're going to talk about how. We're going to talk about the meat of it. But we have got to start always with the premise that Jesus did it first. Anything that he calls us to do, he's like, come. (laughs) I got you. Follow me. I got you. I'll tell you what to say, what not to say. I'll show you how to love. I'll show you how to break down walls of hostility and see reconciliation between God and men and also men and men, right? How about this, that marriages will be reconciled and restored. Why? Because Jesus enters into it. That kids will be redeemed from reckless uh, tracks. Why? Because Jesus gets a hold of them and actually gives their life purpose that people are physically healed and then all of a sudden Jesus is able to be seen as the God of all heaven and earth and they're able to walk with him in the trust that he inevitably wants for them. This is the good news. This is what we have. And this is where we'll begin. Amen? All right. So next week we're going to talk about living in 3D. You're like, what does that mean? I'll tell you next week. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So if we could have the worship team come up and then we'll pray and finish today.